Hey, this is Kevin Weatherby at Save the Cowboy. I want you to tow that stirrup, throw a leg over the candle, take a deep seat, and pull your hat down tight. I ain't gonna tolerate no whining or griping, so let's all strike a long trot down that narrow trail and learn how to ride with God. Come on! What you waiting on? Let's go. Welcome to Save the Cowboy. Appreciate you being here on this fine morning. Um, so yesterday, we uh, a guy I work for AI'd 100 head of heifers. When was it? About around the end of May. So yesterday we had to preg check him because he's going to sell off all the open ones. And, and uh, <coughs> so we had a we had 100 head of heifers to, to ultrasound. And so I loaded up. I have a few of my own, and the church kept back some heifers. So I loaded them up in the trailer and threw them in the front of the, the stock trailer and put my horse in the back and headed down there because I wanted to uh, go ahead and take the, the opportunity to check our own heifers at the same time. So we were we were uh, we were cruising through them and and uh, got down. We got a little wet at the end, but we we got them done and and uh, went and had some lunch. And then I, I loaded those heifers up and and was headed back home. And where I have to unload them is on the is on a county road. And and the entrance into the pasture is not very conducive to pulling a twenty four foot gooseneck trailer. And it's steep and it's washed out and and it was muddy and and. Uh, kind of deep sand and then there's there's really no level place to turn around and unload so what i have to do is pull off and back across the the county road and block the county road and then just jump the heifers out into the pasture so <clears throat> so i did that i backed up and i the problem with the problem was is the gate's a lot wider than the than the trailer so there's two holes to block at the same time so i was riding uh a colt, I call him a colt, he's five, but he, I own him, so he never gets ridden because I'm always riding somebody else's horses. So he's five and pretty green, and I was riding him that day, and he did a good job sorting in the alley. and, and uh, So anyway, I had him in the back of the trailer, so I had to jump him out, and I tied him in one of the holes so that the heifers couldn't jump out of the trailer and go around and get on the county road. And then I opened the gate and took the other side, and heifer jumped out, went, and went in the pasture and walked about five feet and stood there right by the gate. And so I grabbed my horse, and the the front part of the trailer was pretty soupy. This type of year, time of year, the you know you can see the grass is pretty washy, and it was about that deep of soup. So I didn't want to put my horse in there and risk him slipping and falling. I closed the back gate, just uh, threw the lead rope over his neck, jumped him in the trailer, loose. Meanwhile, as I was doing that, all the heifers started coming out the gate to get on the county road. So I jumped out there and spooked the heifers. Well, that left the the gate of the trailer unguarded, and out comes my horse. <laughs> I think he thought he was helping, because he took all of those heifers at a long trot over the hill and was gone. Took them all, at least. He was gone. I'm like, oh. So here I am, still blocking the county road with the trailer. My horse is missing, with my saddle, everything on him. So I, I'm like, well, I got to get off the road, so I was only about a quarter mile from home, so I just, you know, closed all the gates and, and headed home, and I'm like, uh, now, I, now I needed to go find my horse, and, and, and as you can imagine, I was kind of fuming at this point. Um, my job when we were preg checking heifers was to push them up the alley and cut ear tags out and kind of sort them, and so I'd already put on about 5,000 steps that day, and the last thing I wanted to do was go try to walk around and find a horse in 200 acres, so... Uh, I wasn't real happy, so I drove home, and, and uh, of course, the whole way home, I'm 
thinking in horse trainer mode, right? How am I gonna how am I gonna fix this bugger and, and make him pay for what he did? You know, gotta fix it. I gotta correct it. Um, well, there's a similar story in in the Bible um, in Philemon, and if you read Philemon, it's uh it's really good. It's a really good book of the Bible to read because it's only two pages long. So everybody can read it, and you can stay hooked like for the whole thing because it's only two pages. But it, the the whole story about Philemon is it's Paul is is actually writing a letter to Philemon and and it's about one of Philemon's slaves that that ran away and he and he and actually uh, Paul met up with with him and his name I'm gonna I'm gonna try this it was Onesimus he uh, Paul met Onesimus who was the slave um, while he was in Rome in prison and Paul helped convert him to Christianity and he became a Onesimus became a believer. And so Paul was writing to Philemon, pleading with him to not to to, to take Onesimus back um, and not punish him, and, and because now he was a believer. And, and the, one of the really cool parts is in here is it seems it says uh, Philemon 15. Paul is talking to Philemon. It seems he lost Onesimus for a little while so that you could have him back forever. He is no longer like a slave to you. He is more like more than a slave, for he is a beloved brother, especially to me. <laughs> so the the uh the word here today is reconciliation and and that's an example of reconciliation reconciliation means reestablishing a relationship or restoring harmony and so paul was uh was pleading onesimus's case to philemon saying you know i'm going to send him back to you but but i i want you to reconcile with him and and see him as more than just a slave, he's now your brother in Christ, and and he wanted Philemon to reconcile with with Onesimus. Um, but it's really cool. I love that part where it says, uh, "It seems you lost him for a little while, so that you could have him back forever." Because that's what it seems like a lot of us do. In my own case, that's what happened in my Christian journey. As I uh, I went away for a little while, I ran away. I had some, you know, I won't, don't need to tell you all the details, but but I had some serious issues with the Catholic Church and, and I've I've talked about the Catholic Church before but uh, you know there's a reason uh, that that I went away for five years um, because of some things that happened and uh, the cool thing is is is, is that that's exactly the case I went away I, lo- I was lost for a little while so that that I could come back forever and this is the forever I'm back forever I'm a believer in Christ now I'm not a believer in religion I'm a believer in Christ and that's forever um, and so, uh, when when we talk about re- reestablishing a relationship or restoring harmony in our lives, that that has to happen uh, first in our relationship with God. And and now that now that uh, let me read let me read in Corinthians, Second uh, Corinthians six verse eighteen. And all of this is a gift from God, who brought us back to Himself through Christ. And God has given us this task of reconciling people to Him, for God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, no longer counting people's sins against them. And he gave us this wonderful message of, message of reconciliation. So we are Christ's ambassadors. God is making his appeal through us. We speak for Christ when we plead, come back to God. For God made Christ, who never sinned, to be the offering for our sin, so that we could be made right with God through Christ. So the relationship between humans and God <coughs> was, uh, was broken like right away with Adam and Eve that's when sin came into the world and, and now now we had a flawed relationship with God and that flawed relationship 
basically uh, lasted through the, the Old Testament. If you read in there, you think about harmony, you know, that reconciliation is restoring harmony. There wasn't a lot of harmony in the Old Testament. You know, there's some scary stuff in there about, about uh, you know, God's punishment and wrath on, on sinners and, and things like that. And, and so God had to figure out a way to, to reconcile. And he did that through Christ. He sent Christ to reestablish that relationship because now we're no longer slaves of sin. Christ died for our sins. And that, and that gave us the opportunity to be forgiven for our sins and to actually have a, a direct relationship with God through Christ. So that 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 reestablished our relationship with God. Uh, Christ did that for us and restored the harmony in that relationship also. It's available um, for everyone. It, it's, it's not something that that was only you know that it, it wasn't just a few people that were reconciled everybody can be if they choose and and that's a choice we have to make whether we want to reestablish that relationship with God through Christ or if we don't um, but it will restore the harmony in our lives and and I'm a personal witness to that um, so th the second part of that first we have to reconcile with God and then the second part of this in in, in Corinthians here is is uh, God has given us the task of reconciling people to him. That's the great commission that, that all Christians are, are tasked with, is going out and, and into the world and helping other people do the same thing. We, we do it first, and then we have to go out into the world and, and help our fellow brothers and sisters do the same thing. Because if we don't, they're never going to re be reconciled. They'll never reestablish that relationship that was broken at the beginning of time. Um, and it's a big task. I know it's a it's a hard one, uh, but all we have to do is one one person at a time. Uh, I was talking to a friend who who had an opportunity to preach at a rodeo, and he was worried. You know, he says, "How am I going to reach everybody?" I said, "You don't have to reach everybody." I said, "If you, if you've reached one person there, your your time is well spent." And he did. And so, uh, one at a time, guys. We don't have to do it in masses. But that that's what we're tr doing with trying to do with Save the Cowboy. This ministry is is reach out. To as many people online and, and on the radio and in person as, as we can and, and, and establish that reconciliation that has to happen first before we can move on with our Christian lives. <clears throat> so I, uh, as I was walking the half mile to go find my horse, I was thinking of all the things I was going to do to him when I found him. And so I kind of walked to the top of a hill uh, to try to find him, to see, see how much country I could find. And didn't see him, but I heard a, I heard a whinny quite a ways off and I figured well he, you know there's horses in the far of course in the far corner of the pasture I fig figured maybe he went that way <laughs> and so I just started walking toward where I heard that and as I got closer I heard it again and I just kind of was calling out to him and pretty soon here he comes trotting over the hill and he saw me and he whinnied and he trotted right up to me and, and he's like where have you been boss I've been doing all the work out here and uh you know what if, all the all the ill feelings and all the stuff that I had planned and everything just went away. Because it, it turned into joy at that reconciliation, at that reestablishing that relationship. He just came up to me and, you know, he, he went and took those cattle somewhere. I have no idea where he took them. I probably got to go find them today. But uh, all I did is I rubbed on his neck and I tightened up the cinch and I took the lead rope and got on him and walked him home and rubbed his neck the whole way. And, and uh, we were reconciled. I'm going to pray. Lord, thank you so much for today and the opportunity to, to talk through you. And I don't take it lightly, Lord. And it's just such a blessing and such an honor to be able to do that. 
ask that you open people's ears and eyes and, and hearts and souls to, to your message. And <laughs> Everybody's got a little uh, need to reestablish their, their relationship with you, Lord, and I just pray for reconciliation for all those that are watching and listening and, and uh, ask that you give us the strength and that we can go out and, and help others do the same. I pray for this ranch and this ministry and, and our pastor and, and all those who help and all those who attend, that, uh, that you would stay strong in their lives and, and uh, help us to reach everybody that we can. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You only picked like the two hardest words in the whole Bible to talk about today. <laughs> oh, good morning, everybody. Uh, my name is Kevin Weatherby. Welcome to the Long X Ranch. It belongs to Save the Cowboy. Uh, it has been a wonderful journey these past seven years, and I look forward to uh, to more. Uh, Save the Cowboys, a sick pen for sinners, not a show ring for saints. Is it, if this is your first time here, man, we're not here to pat ourselves on the back. Uh, what we're here to do is to encourage you to follow God. It's only through him. I know that a lot of us, like Ty talked about, when we get away from our faith, man, a lot of us are searching for that peace, we're searching for that purpose, we're searching for that fulfillment. Man, the world will dangle that carrot in front of in, in, in front of your face, and it will just make you go in circles and circles and circles. And I'm telling you what, the truth is that the only way you'll find that peace and that purpose and meaning in your life is uh, following God. If you've got your Bibles, turn with me to Psalms chapter 7. I'm, I'm sorry, Psalm 5. Psalm 5. You know, I, I, I woke up this morning and, and thinking of, of what I was going to have to do this week, and uh, it is uh, going to be a busy week. And I, I, I thought about how grateful I am because tomorrow I'm going to go pull bulls with a friend of mine, and um, I've got four horses, and all four of them, I can just go get on them. And, of course, they're, they're still animals, and, and there's always an unpredictability factor in anything you do. But my four horses, for the first time in my life, I can grab any of those four horses, and I can go do whatever needs to be done. I mean, if I've got to go rope a big cow or, or you know, do some, some heavy lifting, if, uh, per se, man, I can grab Budhead, and, and he can handle... Uh, nearly anything out there and if I need to go sort some cows in a pen or drag calves or something like that man I I, I go grab Fiona if I've got a long trot all day I, I'm gonna grab Faylene and if I if I want to uh, take a little kid for a ride or something like that I grab the old plug ace you know the, and, and, it, and it's fortunate because I, I've never had that before. I remember when I first really started starting colts and stuff like that. Uh, to be honest with you, I never owned a lot of horses. I mean, I either used the ranch's horses or or I had a colt. And and you don't just you don't go grab a colt for anything, okay? And so uh, one of the one of the things that 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 scares me the most is is not really getting bucked off, which I I. I I have an aversion to that, I will say. But if you've ever started some colts or rode some renegade-type horses, whenever you step on one, 
you know, you cinch them up, you kind of walk them around, make sure everything's okay, and then you tighten up and you loop it through and you, you swing a leg over and you get all situated and it's kind of sitting there. And you can see about this much space between the, the back of the saddle and, and, and their back. It, it, it's kind of an eerie feeling. And whenever you kind of give him that cue to walk off, and they just kind of, I hate that with a passion. I mean, I just, I, I, I'm not going to say I have nightmares about it or anything, but, but untracking a young horse or a renegade horse or something like that on a cold morning, my gosh, that will get your blood pumping or freeze it shut. I, I, I'm not sure which one. But uh, untracking a, a cold-backed horse is, is one of the things that just, I'm glad I don't have to deal with that very much anymore. How is your faith? Is it like a horse you can go catch and go do anything on without any worries? I mean, is your, is your faith like a Fiona that you can just go out and catch? It doesn't matter if it's been two days since you rode her or, or it's been two weeks or two months. You can just go out there, and, and, and when, when something needs to be done, you can just throw your saddle on, and you know that it might not be perfect, but you can get through it and you can get anything accomplished. Is that the way your faith is? Or is your faith more along the lines of a cold-backed horse that, that any time something happens, if, it, if, it, if there's any type of adversity, man, you can just feel your life hump up, and, and, and no matter how hard you gig your faith of, hey, man, I, I really need to get this done right now, that it just won't untrack. Today, that's what we're going to be talking about is untracking our faith, and Psalm chapter 5 deals with both of these. And, and I love the very first part of Psalm chapter 5. Th those first three verses, to me, I I I've been reading them every single day this week and, and, and memorizing it, and, and it's become kind of my morning prayer. And Psalm chapter 5 in the New International Version starts off by saying this. David writes, Give ear to my words, O Lord. Consider my suffering. I know you've been going through a hard time. David went through hard times. Even though he was the king of Israel, he went through some hard times. I mean, it, it, the, his, his kind of his mentor, Saul, was try, tried to kill him. And then later on, his own son tried to kill him. And, 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 and during, in between those two, there, there was a lot of highs and a lot of lows. And, and when you read Psalms, uh, a, a lot of a lot of these are written by David, and they kind of have a theme in there of of the of the high mountains and the low valleys. He says, "Give ear to my words, O Lord. Consider my suffering. Listen to my cry for help, my King and my God. For to you I pray. In the morning, O Lord, you hear my voice. In the morning, I lay my request before you, and." And this is what I love about this psalm, the way it starts off, is the last three words. And the last three words set us up to have an untracked faith, a faith that you can just go out and you can accomplish anything, whether you're gathering a big pasture, whether you're roping bulls or sorting cows or, or, or just giving a, a kid a ride. It doesn't matter. If we want to untrack our faith, man, th this is what it looks like. Give ear to my words, O Lord, consider my suffering. Listen to my cry for help, my King and my God, for to you I pray. In the morning, O Lord, hear my voice. In the morning, I lay my request before you, and 
I wait in expectation. I wait in expectation. Man, that, that, that is great right there. I mean, uh, uh, David is saying, God, I, I'm going through a rough time. I, I need you in my life. I know that you hear me. I know that you listen to me. And I know that you're going to answer me. He says it right there. In the morning, I lay my request before you and wait in expectation. Is that what you do? I, I mean, because a lot of us, uh, uh, I kind of went back and forth with this message today because some people use God as a lifeline and some people's lifeline is God. And, and there's a difference because a lot of people, man, they, they, they only come to God whenever there's bad things. And as soon as things get better, man, they're, they're back off living their lives. And, and I've been there. I've done it, man. You go through a hard time and you really pray and you're like, God, you got to help me through this. I need you. I need you. I need you. And when things get better, you're like, I appreciate it. You know, I mean, we've, we've all had that, that friend that only calls whenever they need something. You know, whenever your phone goes off and you're like, uh-oh, hadn't heard from them in six months. I wonder what they need now, right? But that's the way we treat God. Well, we don't, God is not our lifeline where we follow him every single day and, 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 and we're walking with him, we're talking with him, we're listening to him. Man, we only go to him whenever there's a problem. God wants to be your life not your lifeline. He wants you to walk with him every single day. He wants us to have the kind of faith that says, in the morning I lay my request before you and wait in expectation, knowing that God's going to answer you, not because you're having a problem, but because you walk with him and you talk with him and you listen to him. This is what an untracked faith looks like. Looks like is when God hears us. An untracked faith is when God knows you intimately and you know him intimately, where we know that God will answer us, not just in our problems, but, but especially, man, whenever it's, whenever we're rejoicing, whenever we're going through those good times and we're like, God, man, I, I see what you're doing in my life and I appreciate it. Man, we're, we're real quick to go to God when we have problems, but are we real quick to be grateful? Not in our words, but in the way that we live our lives. So how do we untrack our faith? David goes on in Psalm chapter 5, and, and these, these psalms were a lot of times they were sung. They were like old hymns in, in Hebrew, and, and there's, there's, a, there's kind of a method that David uses a lot of times, and especially in Psalm chapter 5, when you go home and read it, when you go home and read it all this week, you'll see that he starts off with an opening, and then he contrasts two different sets of ideals, okay? Some of these ideals I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to loop together because he'll talk about one in this paragraph and then the next one he'll say the opposite of it and then he'll talk about this one and then, and then he'll contrast it. But the very first way that we untrack our faith is kind of the difference between arrogance and humility. In verse 5 of Psalm chapter 3, David says, the arrogant cannot stand in your presence. Man, you know, if you're real arrogant and just, you know, very self-confident, and I'm not saying that there's anything wrong with confidence, but, you know, self-esteem is still about self. It doesn't matter if you have a high self-esteem or low self-esteem, everything's focused on you. We should have confidence, but not arrogance in our own abilities, but confidence in what God can do and what he can do through you. 
Verse 5 says, the arrogant cannot stand in your, in your presence. And then down in verse 7, uh, David contrasts that by saying, I, by your great mercy, will come into your house. In reverence, I will bow down. See, see the, the arrogant man, that they try to stand up to God. I can do this. I don't need God. But yet the humble are like, man, I need you every single day, God. I need you. Untracking your faith starts with humility. Look, you know, uh, humbleness in this world is kind of looked down on. To, to say that, uh, that we think that humility means letting people walk all over us, that, that's not what it means. You know, a lot of people think that humility and, and, and another biblical word, meekness, because it rhymes with weakness, they think that they're the same things, but they're not. They're, they're polar opposites. Meekness means having strength under control, and that's what humility is. It's absolute strength under complete control. Whenever I go saddle up butthead, man, I, I can go. I've roped bulls on him. I've roped big old cows on him. And he, he doesn't do it all on its own, but it's strength under control. We can use his strength to accomplish something, and that's what God wants us to do. God wants us to use his strength to accomplish something. And if we're going to learn to be humble, look, I, I, I've, got some, I, I've got some news that, that may be a little hard to choke down, okay? It's not about you. It's not about what you think, and it's not about what you feel. And, and, and in my profession, and in my life, I talk to a lot of people, and especially whenever I'm talking to somebody that's lost, and, 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 and I'm talking to them, and they say, well, I just don't believe that. It doesn't really matter what you believe. If the Bible says, do it this way, that's the way we should do it. You know, we, we have successfully created God in our own image when God thinks just like we do. You know, I mean, if we were to go through the Bible and, and take out what's hard or what we don't want to believe or the things that we don't want to do, man, you're, you're only going to be left with, with, with about this much. But unfortunately, that's how much faith most Christians have because that they don't take into account everything that God says. God says you've got to be different than the world. Do not conform to the ways of this world, but be transformed by the way you think. Look, being humble, you've got to realize that it's not about you. It's not about what you think or what you feel. If you really want to find meaning and purpose and untrack your faith, you've got to believe in who God is and make him the foremost thing in your life, the foremost person in your life, not ourselves. Now, I say it's not about you. It's not about you anymore because at one point in one time over about a three or four hour period, it was all about you. And that's when Jesus was nailed to the cross that day, that day, it was all about you. And because Jesus made it all about us on that cross, we should make it all about him with our lives. He made it all about you in his death. We make it all about him with our lives. Untracking your faith starts with humility. Put God first. And if you do that, I, I say put others second, but I'm not even saying putting them second because when you're putting God first, you're, you're actually putting others, you're, you're letting God shine through you. You know, you're the conduit that God's love flows through. But you can't do that in arrogance. You can only do it in humility of having straight, uh, strength under absolute control. How do we untrack our faith? You can't be arrogant. You've got to learn humility. 
And unfortunately, humility is kind of like roping, okay? If you've never got on a horse or, or very few times and you've never swung a loop and you've never roped something and you've never dallied or tied off or anything like that, you're not going to be any good at it, okay? Nobody wakes up one day and goes, I'm going to be a dang good roper today. It's not going to happen, man. You're going to get yourself in a wreck, and that's the way humility is too. Unfortunately, you're, you're going to stink at it for quite a while, but you've got to practice every single day. And when you start practicing humility, God gives you an opportunity to grow. Yeah, it gets a little tough sometimes. Trust me, I've been on that, I've been on that path for a while. How do we untrack our faith? It can't be in arrogance. It only has to be in humility. And the second thing that, that David talks about is the wicked versus the righteous. In verse 4, David said, with you, the wicked cannot dwell. Man, it, you know, if we're just thinking about ourselves and we're doing whatever we think, whatever we feel, and we're, when we're taking that easy road all the time, that that's what the Bible calls wickedness. And I think, and I don't think, I know that God wants the best for you, but we think that we know better than God. And when God says, don't do this, we're like, I don't believe that. I'm going to do it anyway. And then we wonder why our lives are in shambles and why our faith keeps bucking us off, why we don't untrack. With you, the wicked cannot dwell in verse 4. And Paul, I mean, uh, David contrasts that in verse 8, and he says, lead me, O Lord, in your righteousness. Make straight your way for me. With you, the wicked cannot dwell in verse 4 and in verse 8. Lead me, O Lord, in your righteousness. Make straight your way for me. Untracking your faith is maintained in righteousness. And, and, and righteousness is one of those big churchy words that, that sounds really cool, but nobody really knows what it means. What righteousness means is living the way that God says to live, doing things the way he said to do them, being who God wants you to be. Going where he wants you to go. Because, you know, the, the good book says that the, that the road to destruction is wide and it's easy. It's flat. It looks great. But the trail to life is narrow and steep and hard. Man, you, you can't get to the mountaintop by staying on the flat ground that's wide and easy. Man, you're going to have to break a sweat a little bit and you're going to have to go through a little bit of stuff. And the reward for getting to the top is more than you can ever imagine. But see, we, we want to reach the mountaintop, but we don't want to make the climb. The wicked follow that wide, easy road. Untracking your faith is maintained in righteousness. The right way is the hard way. The wrong way is the easy way. And I mean, <laughs> a lot of us, man, and, and I've been there, so I'm not picking on you, but a lot of us, man, our, our faith is like pond water, man. We'll just flow to the path of least resistance. What's the easiest way? That's the way I'm going to go. God's like, man, no wonder you're not growing. You got to do it the way I said. That's what righteousness is, is doing things the way God said to do them, being who he said to be, loving people like he loves us. You can't grow in faith by being a carousel Christian. You know, I, I, I think that a lot of Christians out there, man, that they, I, I'm not saying that they're not saved. I'm calling them Christians. And I used to be one of these, but they're not riding for the Lord, man. They're just on a, on a, on a, a merry-go-round on a plastic horse going up and down saying yee-haw, thinking they're going somewhere. But later on in life, they're like, how come I never get anywhere? I just keep going in circles. I have some good times. I have some bad times. And it just comes right back around time and time and time again. Man, you've got to get off that and you've got to saddle up and you've got to go down that hard trail. 
How do we untrack our faith? It can't be in arrogance. It can only be in humility. It can't be in wickedness, doing things our way, but only through righteousness, doing things the way God said to do them. And the third thing that David contrasts is lies versus joy. In other words, what comes out of our mouth. In verse 6, David says, You destroy those who tell lies, bloodthirsty and deceitful men, the Lord abhors. A-B-H-O-R-S, abhors, means, man, God don't like people that are deceitful and lie. But in verse 11, he says, But let all who take refuge in you be glad. Let them ever sing for joy. Not just be happy when things are good, but can you, can you, can you be joyful whenever you are taking that hard road? You know, I, I mean, if, if you think that cowboying is fun, there's a lot of fun parts about it. But, you know, when you long trot all day and, and you have to do a lot of roping and stuff, man, you, you get home and, and, and your, your back will be a little bit sore, and, and, but, but you'll feel good. Contrast that versus laying on the couch all day. No, no wonder we're sick and everything. I mean, a, a lot of people have just given up. We can't give up. Untracking your faith is preserved in joy. What comes out of your mouth is a reflection of your heart. Ty and I have talked about that for about two weeks now. Out of your mouth flows the true nature of your heart, man. What do you talk about? Well, you're going to talk about what your, mind, what your heart is, and what your heart is is a reflection of what you're thinking. Are your thoughts deceitful? Are they arrogant? Are they wicked? Guess what? It's going to flow out of you. You can say one thing, but be another. Cast all your cares and anxieties on him, for he cares for you. 1 Peter 5, 7. Because, see, there, there's an epidemic, and, and, and I, I've been guilty of it for a long time, of doing nothing but, but complaining and griping and moaning and, and other words that I won't say from up here on the trailer. That, that, that's what we do all the time. And God says, why, man? You're alive. I've already given you victory. I didn't say it would be easy. I said you've won. So what do we do about it? I mean, are we just supposed to keep all that bottled up inside? No. We lay our requests before God and wait in anticipation. Man, he wants you. He doesn't want you to keep that bottled up inside. Man, go to him. Don't go, don't go, to, your, don't go to your wife. Don't go to your husband. Don't go to your friend. Man, if you've got something bad to say, if you need to get something off your chest, go to God in prayer. His shoulders are big enough to hold up the entire world, the whole, all of creation. He can hold in the palm of his hands, man. Your, your, your trial and tribulation, he's got it. Cast all your cares and anxieties on him. I ain't saying bottle that stuff up, but take them to the only man that can do something about it. And he's probably not going to fix the problems. He's probably going to fix you. And he's going to start with humility. He's going to keep you going in righteousness. And he's going to complete you with joy. What does an untracked faith look like? You know, I, I, I read you the first part of that, of Psalm chapter 5. Give ear to my words, O Lord. Consider my suffering. Listen to my cry for help, my King and my God, for I pray to you in the morning, O Lord. You hear my voice. In the morning, I lay my request before you and wait in anticipation. And then he talks about arrogance versus humility. He talks about wickedness versus righteousness. He talks about lies and deceit instead and contrasts it with a life of joy. And then in the last verse, Man, it's awesome. He ends it with what your life will look like 
with an untracked faith. In verse 12, it says, Surely, O Lord, you bless the righteous. Man, if you don't want to be blessed by God, <laughs> you ain't going to follow him. You know, you're not going to follow him. But he says, David says, Surely, O Lord, you bless the righteous. You surround them. Not just give them a little handout. Not like, here, you want a cookie or a cracker or a little horse apple tree, you know. He's not talking about that. He says, you surround them with your favor as a shield. Man, wouldn't you like to walk through this world with being blessed by God and having God's favor as your shield? You can have it. And see, that's the difference. You, you, you can't have it by, by, by coming to save the cowboy. You, you can't have it just, just during the hard times. You've got to saddle up and ride with him every single day in righteousness, in humility, in joy. And when you do that, surely, O Lord, you bless the righteous. You surround them with your favor as with a shield. Do you want a faith that won't untrack and a faith that won't get anything done? This way is marked by arrogance, wickedness, and lies. Or do you want a faith that is surrounded by the Lord's favor? Do you want a faith that you can do and get through anything? If that's what you want, it'll take humility, living the way God said to, and having a joyful attitude. And when those tough times come, cast all your cares and anxieties on him. Because if you don't take anything away from anything that me or Ty has said today, leave here knowing this right here. God loves you more than you can ever imagine. And he wants you to reside with him forever. And he wants to give you purpose, meaning, and fulfillment in this life. But you ain't going to do it your way. It can only be done through God's way. Let's go to him in prayer. Father, on this Sunday morning and every morning that follows, let us untrack our faith by depending on you for everything. Not just answers to problems, but a trail to follow through this life. This trail is followed by our faith in what Jesus accomplished on the cross when he defeated death itself. And it was on that day that all of our sins were washed completely away so that we, be, we can become the righteousness of God through what your son did for us on the, on the cross. And it's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Have you ever dreamed of being a cowboy? Do you long to ride for the brand? If you're one of those rare individuals, then we at Save the Cowboy have something just for you. We believe that you are capable of more than you ever imagined. We are offering you the chance to ride for the Lord and save the Cowboys Long X Ranch. We can show you how to be stronger, go further, and ride harder than you ever thought possible. And you know what? We just happen to have a spot for a cowboy. You ready to saddle up? A Long X Ranch Cowboy is a person wanting to take their relationship with God to the next level. Our Cowboys strive to live a life worthy of their calling and help save the Cowboy gather the lost and bring back those that have strayed away. Are you ready to take the outside? If so, go to SaveTheCowboy.com and sign up today. We'll be waiting on you.